nodding in and out of smiles like an archaeoleptic comedian. I need to stop drinking out the same water I'm puking in. Like a box of matches in a world of lighters, I'm a loser. Occasional robotic bloodhound, fully employed boozer. A story with no plot, a puppy with and then, a magician like no tricks. I would like a beer, honestly. Give me that stash I don't know how cold they are. But no, that's right. I've drank warmer. I, I actually haven't tried this one yet. I like Hot Valley, though. Like the bubble stash. Cheers. Cheers, darling. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hot Valley, that's in um, California, isn't it? Uh, is it? Yeah. That's a good question. That's where... No, it's in Oregon. Oh, look at that. Yeah. I'm learning something, too. But the bubble stash... Yeah, the bubble stash is really Bro. good. Bro. It's really, really that's good. That's honestly the best IPA, like the canned IPA I've ever tasted. It's like so balanced. Everything's there. Floral. Everything. Yeah. I don't I don't really understand it either. Because like, it's like the cryo hops, right? Like the, Do you know like the difference between that and like normal hops or like the normal brewing process? Like I don't, I don't I, truly know. I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I just met this guy. That brews his own beer, and I'm oh, like, wow. "Can you teach me how?" Because yeah. I'm obsessed with beer, yeah, especially the IPAs. But mm-hmm. I'm guessing with cryo in the name, it's just like they flash freeze them, like oh, okay. cryogenically freeze them, and then use. That's them? way more thought than like I put into it. You know what I mean? Because I mean, everything's better cold. Am I right? Yes, a hundred percent. Like the taste of it's like fresher and like crisper. So. Yeah. Or that's what we like to tell yeah. ourselves, at least. Like, <laughs> this is uh, this is pretty tasty, though. I like this so it's, far. You know, hazy IPAs, to me, are always a win. Wherever yeah. you go. Okay, and I hate to shit on, like, the breweries here, but, like, Lizard Tail is one of the breweries that, like, they'll make a dank-ass hazy, and it'll, like, it'll be good one day, and then mm-hmm. the next day it'll be totally, like skunked almost is that like in a can like it's like skunked or is that like all the time like going to like get it kegs weird yeah that's interesting but honestly across the board albuquerque i don't think they know how to like clean lines clean lines is one thing for sure um depends on like who's testing like um quality like control too because like santa fe brewing has like a legit lab they try to get it as like close to quality each time as like possible i know like, Lacumbre, like, they'll flat out ditch, like, a whole batch if they don't like it. Whereas, like, a lot of breweries will just throw hops in, just a ton of hops and call it an IPA. They're like, well, we can't lose this money. So, they just throw everything at it. And it's like, ugh, I don't think that's the best way to make beer either. No. Yeah. And especially your customer base. Once they buy that, what are <laughs> they going to do? Oh, look at the other 50 options they yeah. have. Like yeah local and not local just everything every you have so many options you have to be on point with your quality control i think yeah because i did have that problem in california but it was more on the basis of it was sweeter it was Mm. like super heavy sweetness okay that would be like the differentiating factor like in every sort of um batch yeah batch yeah Yeah. are you from california originally so i was born there but i got it and I grew up there a little bit, but when I was 10, I moved to Idaho and then Florida. Oh, wow. So I've been in Florida, like, for my adolescence, like, 10, 11, 11 through, like, 18. Okay. <laughs> and then I got married. <laughs> okay. And immediately went back to California, San Diego. Um, and then he went into the Marine Corps, and then we were stationed in Oceanside, which is, like, northern mm-hmm. San Diego, which is, like, a little smaller population, like, beach town, surf town. 
which I thought was very relaxing because the amount of homeless, like, visibly on meth people was such a culture shock for me coming from, like, you know, a small town of 10,000 people where everyone was employed and there was, like, one homeless guy that people employed regularly so he could get out of homelessness, like... I, th- that was such a culture shock to me to like watch people walking down the street with their tongue literally as far out yeah as it can be like licking their face and you're just like oh my god yeah zombies dude like, have you like have you taken like a legit drive down like central or like zuni you know what i i did because i was looking for another route while there was work on the i-25 so I was going down Zuni, but that was early in the morning. Mm. So it's like you're not seeing all of them. Exactly. The, the crackheads are asleep for the night. Like they're right. like tucked in. Like that. Kind they of just stuff. went to sleep at yeah, six yeah, o'clock yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what? Else? Okay, so a lot to like cover in that. So you originally born in California, then you went to Idaho. You said. Were you a military baby? I was. Okay, so then that like explains like the moving around. Well, stuff it like was that. actually like they they were based in Miramar, so that's like southern San Diego. Okay. And then they both got out of the navy, and then we moved back to m- my dad's hometown in Idaho, for like only two or four years, I think, when I was really little. First time I saw snow and the mountains, it was amazing. Yeah. And then um, my mom was like. I need more help with kids because she had like three at that time. So she's like, we're going to move to where my family's at so I can have help. So that's when we went to Florida. And the first time I saw the beach, it was like white sand. Oh, wow. Right. Which is like, I've never seen that before because we were always on California beaches where it was like that golden sand. Sure. And dude, we thought it was snowing. Yeah, <laughs> like we're, we're like 10 years old, like, dude, it's snowing. Yeah, like, it's like what? not and it's like not cold to the touch <laughs> or like you're like trying to figure it all out. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was. Yeah, it was just like an experience going from like that part of the country to this part, like to the eastern part of the country. Definitely in the humidity. Okay. Like the humidity is what you really feel immediately. Like this yeah. is a change. But also being like five minutes from the beach is also a change too. Sure. So, so you grew up, ascent. When I say like grew up, yeah. You know, you said ten to eighteen in Florida. Right. You had a middle ground there where you said Idaho. Like, were you, were you in Idaho? That- I was in second grade, right? So I don't know how old that. I think it's like eight or something. Sure. Yeah. And it's like I I remember a little about it mm-hmm. but I know that I remember that like seeing the mountains and they were just like yeah. so majestic. Yeah. It was very like nature living. Mhm. To whereas like in Florida you always want to be inside. Like because it's just cuz humidity. So humid. But I mean you go to Interesting. the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's like not hiking and like mountains to go hike which I fell in love with like later in my life. Sure. But I will say this for Florida, when I lived there, I didn't explore the springs. And okay. Oh my god, they are so beautiful. So you were in Florida and you re- like didn't experience like any homelessness in Florida? Like there there wasn't any like craziness out there? No, specifically where we lived, it was like okay. so small and it was it was really like I want, I want to, it's more retirees, right? Mm, So they're all set, dude. Yeah. Everybody who can afford to buy a piece of property and live there 
is employed and or on retirement and this is just their vacation home. Sure. So no. There yeah. I remember one homeless guy. That's yeah. it. Everybody else did landscaping if they were a piece of shit, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. But they were still <laughs> employed. So Only landscapers are pieces of shit. That's the moral <laughs> of the story. What did okay, so if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? Nope. Uh I am twenty nine because okay. I keep saying twenty eight, but I've hit that age where it's like, I'm going to be 30 this year. Ooh, so. man. I was about to say, so you didn't even just freshly turn 29. You're turning 30 this year. Yeah. Got you. So you can't even like hold on to that excuse of no. 28 anymore. Okay. No, no, no. When do you turn 30? July 2nd. Okay. So you got a little bit of time to kind of enjoy the, the little bit you have left. Yeah. A little bit of youth. So when you left, when did you leave Florida? At 18? Almost, okay, I think four months after I turned 18, like, picked up and moved to, to San Diego again. Okay. So then what's the backstory of, like, got married, went out there, like, you knew this guy a long time? Oh, you, yeah. Okay. So Well, we had a, dude, I was a freshman, mm-hmm. and we were in guitar class together, so that's where it started. Was he older than you? Oh, yeah. He was okay. a senior. Nice. Love that. Dude. Love love the poaching of the youth right Super there. Super poach, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. Sure. Um, And then, like, throughout that four years, we, we kept dating, even though I was in, like, now looking back on it, you're like, yeah, isn't this kind of weird? But I don't know. I was into it. Yeah, young <laughs> and in love, you're like, fuck it. I was into it because he was so hot. Dude. There's some like there's something to that though of like when you're younger, someone older than you being like into you is like just another level. Like it and it's like a level of like bragging that you can't have anywhere else. Like to have that is like such a good feeling when you're in high school. Dude, you're like, I'm yeah. a freshman, the seniors into me, like, uh yeah. Dude, it's and he's awesome. a track star. Yeah. And he won states, like, yeah. dude. And he likes and me. <laughs> like, that's a good fucking feeling. So yeah, I don't blame like you at all. Weird on his part though. Exactly. So, like, I think so too. Because well and you know, you're looking back like you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You're like looking back on it like yeah, why didn't anybody say anything about this? But I'm pretty sure I was um, warned, like, a lot of times. Sure. And was, like, like told, like, this probably yeah. shouldn't be happening. So. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's so funny because, like, now, what is that, like, 30 to 33? Like, that's, like, the age difference. Like, that, that's not weird at all now. Yeah. At that time, it's, like, just, like, the level of, like, life, like, and just different experiences, you know? But do you ever correlate that with, like, 45-year-old men going and picking up, like, 24-year-olds? No. I was about See, to say, that's, it's like... weird. It's weird for sure. If that's what you're asking me. It, yeah. yeah. it's weird. It's, like, okay. So you're taking a person just freshly out of high school pretty much like going through their college experience and finding themselves they don't know shit about life yeah you're over here you have like 20 years on this bitch yeah it's like you are going to be able to manipulate the fuck yeah out of that person yep because well and it's funny too because like you just said 45 to like 24 it's like you started doing taxes when she was born like, you, you were, like, doing shit that that person doesn't even know about. And then, like, at 20, like, I, I'm 27. I don't know shit still, but I'm saying at 24, like, 
anyone could have taken advantage of me at that point. So oh it's like 45 God. is, it, I mean, that's a that's quite a jump, to say the least. And, you know, I, I like, and it's so weird that it's just so normal. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're going through their midlife crisis, like mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. But I saw this post on Facebook that said it just so well, right? It's like men don't go for older women because we already know the bullshit you're trying to pull. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's like when you think about it, like how well could you manipulate a 21-year-old? Completely legal, right? Yeah. But it's like, dude, I could tell her I'm at work and I could just be doing whatever the fuck I want. Sure. Like telling her I do this as a job, but really I'm a drug dealer. Like you could just manipulate these people so easily and you know, they'll eat anything up. I think that's actually a positive side of social media because they can actually check these things out. Sure. But even when you're 45, you're not into social media quite as much as the 20 year olds recording their entire life on it. Sure. But I just feel like there's, the consciousness mm-hmm. difference is like, what are you trying to get away with? Yeah. Like, are you really narcissistic? Are you really, you know, disassociative? Like, what if it's just a really badass 24 year old? I was a really bad 24, <laughs> like, badass 24 year old. Like, I was. I was fucking traveling on my own. Like, yeah. dude. Just doing it. I've, I was going everywhere whenever I wanted. Yeah. So I was a really bad, badass, like 24 year old. So I get it. But like getting, I'm telling you, like, it's weird. Just Mm -hmm. what? Five years different difference. I'm like seeing that it's like 45 year old, 45 year old men. Mm -hmm. They have their life pretty much set up the way they're going to live it into their old age. It's also like, there's very few I mean, very few, like, 45-year-olds that are, like, squeaky clean. Like, there's mm-hmm. there's something there. Like, mm-hmm. still married, divorced, like, has kids, had kids. Like, they're grown up. Like, that's even worse if you're 45 and you have a 24-year-old. <laughs> and people do that. People, Yeah, I was about to say, people do that. Or people that are, like, yeah, have like, you're 45, you have a 24-year-old, and you're dating a 19-year-old. You're, like, whoa. Like, that is, like, legal is such, like, a, like, oh, weird yeah. term for that. Because it, it's legal. There's no, like, questioning it. But it's, like, the, like, unethical and just, like, gross. Like, it's just gross. See? And I don't think that, I think that doesn't even enter people's mind when Mm-mm. they're, you know, in their early 20s. They're like, what? This guy's into me. But it's, but it's more like, I think, the older, like, people who have, like, a consciousness about them being, like, what the hell are you accomplishing? Mm-hmm. Like taking away the prime of this person's life. Yeah. Just because like, yeah, maybe it'll work out. But dude, you're going through so many changes at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. Like it's not fair to say this is going to be a long lasting relationship. I don't think. So I'm assuming you're not talking to a 45 year old right now. You know what? I'm <laughs> open to it. And that's what I actually wanted to to go about saying is that now like me dating right almost 30 and i don't have any kids so i'm like looking at men who are like a little bit older than me sure a lot older than me like 35 i think is my like i'm trying to go around 35 to like 45 
and see, like in I between s- there that's like the right okay i'm just i'm just like trying to find people who are like tired of like bullshit and just kind of want to come together as partners and like mm. live a happy life maybe have kids maybe not have kids i don't really fucking care sure but it's like it's always on the table but it's like you're looking at these 38 year olds and and my best friend she's like they don't have any kids they've never been married what's wrong with them yeah, yeah, yeah. Some and i'm just shit. like <laughs> dude <laughs> that's that's the other part of that is like even if you are squeaky clean it's like you've got like major red flags around you just surrounding you at that point but, but i see that's where you're like with this new age like ageism isn't a factor and like don't judge people and it's like I sincerely believe in that. Like, don't judge people just because they haven't done anything. Because honestly, if I was taking all of the women, like the grown ass women in my life's advice, I would have been pregnant at 22 or, you know, I'm alone for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? So it's like just because you've lived a full life and you really haven't found anybody to have kids with isn't a problem with me. Yeah. But I am looking for red flags, like right <laughs> off the bat. Like, what is wrong do you with go, you? Do you go red flag searching, or are you trying to find the good in people when you are like looking to date and stuff like that? You know what's so funny is like, I'm like, I kind of bounce things off of my best friends, right? And they're they're like one year older than me, or like pretty much around the same age, and they'll tell me immediately over one text message, like that's a red flag. Say goodbye, like mm-hmm. run, dude. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, everybody's got feelings. Like mm-hmm. men, not too good at expressing them. So sure. it's like, especially through a text message, or I'm I'm just like, I'm not real like. Red flags for me are, like, you don't like to socialize, right? Mm. Because it's, like, if you're not trying to be out in the public's eye, that's when I'm, like, that's probably, one, narcissism, Mm. two, disassociative, like, psychopath sort of thing. Because, like, if you're in... I mean, narcissists obviously can, and psychopaths, can both be, like, really into, like, a social scene. Mm -hmm. But... The ones you have to worry about are the ones that are, like, just sitting alone all yeah. the fucking time and, like, looking up information and getting mad about it. Like, the incels. Have you heard about that? Like, nope. woman-hating whole, like, community online. They can't get laid, so they hate women, and it's a whole thing, and it's, where like... Do I, where do I look them up to join? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, like, okay, well... I feel like if you're super by, like, just always by yourself, because I have done that before where I haven't been working and I've just been, like, with myself for Mm -hmm. a really long time and it is not healthy, dude. Mm. You go through existential breakdowns. Like, what am I doing with my life? What does life even mean? Like, what are all of these connections that I've made? What have I done wrong? You know, like, yeah, sitting alone. Mm. Can yeah. be good, you know, because you sure. get self-reflection time. But in a large amount of time, it can get weird. What is like a large amount of time at that point then? I was doing that for a year. Oh, wow. Sitting with myself in a city, right, that I didn't know how to navigate and I didn't have a car in. Mm. So I was literally in my art studio all day, like doing art and like it got weird. Yeah. Like, 
I was like learning how to lift curses and like demonology and (laughs) and like deliverance and stuff. I got like super into the esoteric and mysticism and like alchemy and stuff, but it got weird, dude. Yeah. But I, I mean, like I can't complain because a lot of people do that and then commit suicide. You know what I mean? So it's like, eh, maybe it was for the positive because I'm still alive and I've learned a lot about myself. Yeah. You're still alone. Yeah. Yeah. Did you make some solid art out of that? I did, but I gave it all away to my family and then some of them, they didn't keep it because <laughs> they're like this is a little weird but yeah i don't know i just i like giving away art because it's like you have a little piece of my soul to look at you know sure it's i feel like it's more touching than like giving them a f- holiday card every year yeah you know what i mean yeah so i really try to do that i try to like create a bunch of art and then like meet up with my family for whatever reason i go to see them and then give it all away and then they can have a little piece of me so yeah, I'm super into like just giving it away as soon as I get it done. What kind of art? Like, what I, do you? What do you? Uh, what's your medium? I do acrylic painting, and then I've get, I've been getting like super into like the pore painting because it seems like something I can finish, and it's out of my control because like, mm-hmm. dude, when I do acrylic paintings where I'm like really trying to express something, everything has to be perfect, and then it never gets done, and it's just a half done canvas sitting in my art studio so it's like dude it, it annoys me when you say <laughs> when you say pour painting is that like where it's like pouring constantly it's like going in a circle that kind of stuff it's it's actually you can do it that way but i mean you can kind of manipulate it just with like picking it up and like moving it side to side but it's super gotcha. fluid gotcha like paint i see what you're saying so like yeah you're not like the controller of that right. you're just like trying to like be a part of it yes and oh. see that's what i'm trying to you know, and I don't think everybody really self-realizes this, but I have seen myself going, like, being way more controlling than I used to be. Mm. Like, I try to control everything. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I used to not give a fuck, dude. I used to just ride the wave, like, go with the flow. And I just, I've seen, like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, I'm really trying to control everything right now. Mm. So I'm really trying to, like, practice things that let me, like let go of control to kind of like maybe flow that energy out of me because you know those freaking 50 year old women with three cats that live alone dude (laughs) like e yeah don't want to be that so uh, yeah i try to exercise not having a lot of control in my life and stuff like that what does an exercise in trying not to control look like like what's something that you do to practice that well that that, with the poor painting especially But also I've learned um, abstract watercolors, which is like what you're doing is you're literally letting the water take the paint and do whatever Mm. it's going to do. You know what I mean? And trying to find beauty in it, even though you're not controlling it, you know, because that's that used to be my entire thing in my early 20s is like making this piece of art and like going over it and over it and over it and it like never really being done to me. But like usually or now like going into like abstract art and like doing mediums that like allow me to just abstract sort of paint. Mm -hmm. That's really, I feel like helping me and just like being, you know, self-aware, like, are you controlling this too much? Like, are you like overthinking? Are you like, you know, just putting too much thought and like energy into something when you should just be chilling, dude. Yeah. 
And I feel like I'm pretty good at that. But it's good to have exercises to be like, dude, stop overthinking one. Don't get yeah. in your own head. Like, life's going to do whatever it's going to do. Yeah. Like, I could die tomorrow. Like, I always love to be like, is this going to matter in a year? Yeah. How much energy do you need to put into this? Like, yeah. it's not going to fucking matter, dude. Honestly, like, I need to have that a little bit more outside of, because I have that, like, only, only when I'm stressing about something. And usually, I can go, this isn't even going to matter in a month. Like, it, it's it's <laughs> wild to, like, think of certain situations, right? Because, like, you, like... Like work, for example. Mm-hmm. Like work, it's like in a week, I'm going to have something completely different to stress about. So I don't even need to stress about this simple like situation right now. Then there is some stuff that's like, yeah, like there's a season of life where it's like this sucks. But is like you said, is this going to matter in a year? And it's like you could flash forward in a year, talk to yourself and be like, oh, dude, I forgot that even happened. Like a lot of times that is that <laughs> simple of a solution. Just going, It doesn't doesn't matter that much. Yeah. But, you know, being this old and dating, I'm, like, mm. really going through that. Like, are you trying to control things because you, like, feel like you have a time limit? Mm. Like, I feel like I'm putting a time limit on myself that doesn't exist. And I really need to, like, break out of that and be like, are you vibing? No? Next. You know mm. what I mean? Like, just don't put a lot of time and energy into something that's not working for you. You when know you, what I mean? When you say, like, a time limit on, like, a relationship, are you talking about, like, between the two of you or, like hey like i want to be together at this point like what is like the time limit construction for well you? more for me having children okay you know because it's like once you get over 30 it's a it's called a um <laughs> it's called um a geriatric pregnancy yeah that's a true thing i don't so, know that a lot like i have almost sorry i don't mean to cut oh, you oh no no no, no. I that's all almost, i have to say. <laughs> i have almost an entirely male dominated audience so like I don't think a lot of them know this, that, yeah, after 30, it's considered geriatric. Geriatric. That's <laughs> like, insane. Why do you have to use that word? Yeah, it's when so I think, aggressive. When I think of that, like, like I'm thinking of pregnant women in, like, Skechers. And, like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, these are not that old of women. But post-30, that's what it's called. Yeah. So, well, yeah. And that's why I'm like, dude, honestly, if I want to have kids, I'm pretty active and I'm, like, super healthy. Mm-hmm. And I, like, love to supplement and everything. So I like to, like, think that it's not going to matter when I want to get pregnant. So, like, I'm not tripping. But I've seen myself from 26 to 28 Mm -hmm. was, like, this, like, huge change in, like, do you want to have kids? And it fucking changed because I never wanted to have kids, right? Mm. I'm just, like, they seem like a burden. I'm trying to have fun. Yeah. But, yeah, wow through 26 to 28 it like totally changed and i was like i need to think about having kids like well it's interesting too right because it's like there's one thing to think that you don't want kids but then like all of a sudden when it's stripped from you or you're like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're like oh that's it's not gonna happen you're like oh wait but but what if i but what if i wanted to Mm -hmm. like that's a completely different thought that some people don't realize it's like it's one thing to think it but two to have it just ripped from you that, like, is almost, like, a scarier thought. It is. I would think. Well, and I think when when I when I was in that mind felt, like, I don't want kids, I don't want kids, I was, like, telling myself that. I wasn't mm. really self, like, self-aware, I feel like. It's, mm-hmm. like, 
have a talk with yourself like how would kids make you happy what are the scientific research you know the social research says that women who have kids are ultimately happier than women who don't have kids mm. so it's like i take all of that kind of thing like all of those statistics in and i'm just like i need to think about this a little more because i was always on the train of like adopting just because it's like why mm. even bring more people into this weird area of life we're in where it's like you don't know what's coming up in the next six months and everything could go to shit who knows right mm. but it's like as i thought about it within myself more that's when i was like i could see this being something that i want to do mm. but i'm still like okay with not having kids too <laughs> yeah so it's like it's a weird thing <laughs> are you uh are you a nurturer by like nature mm-mm mm-mm uh, I think if I'm put in the position, I will, but yeah. I'll have resentment afterwards. I'm mm. a, I'm pretty fucked up like that. Like, yeah, I just have like weird. I don't know. I think Do that's you... narcissism. Well, I mean, it. But I'm could not be, sure. Could be like narcissism in like an extreme sense. Like, I'm not saying right. this is extreme, but like if you go to an extreme sense and go str- like straight to narcissism, maybe. But at the same time, like there's something to just enjoying your independence as well. Like, my favorite thing I tell people all the time is, like, I'm enjoying, like, not, like, having anything to worry about. Like, I like the fact that I can just pick up and go. Like, I don't have – I was talking to my cousin. so funny because I was like, I don't have a girlfriend. Like, I don't have, uh, like, a plant. And then he laughed. And I was like, why are you laughing? He's like, oh, I thought you said you don't have a plan. And I was like, <laughs> I also don't have a plan. Like, that's perfect. Like, that's even better. Like, I don't have – anything like tying me down like i don't have a dog i don't have like i like i don't have anything like if i like if i just want to take off tomorrow on vacation i can just do that like i don't have to tell anyone like i don't have to hey like will you watch this will you make sure this is fed will you make sure this is watered like so to some extent i get what you're saying of like the narcissism but the other side is like i also just enjoy my independence right now and that's also kind of a beautiful thing and i've also been like living like that for what since i was 22 i've just mm. been traveling dude traveling yeah. working where, when i can traveling yeah. working when i can traveling so it's like that it gives me anxiety to even think about getting a dog because yeah. it's like <laughs> do one is this dog even gonna ride in the car with me when i am traveling and like what if i need to take a flight and mm. do i even have anybody to watch him no like that's why I'm like, I, to even think about getting responsibility like that, I'm hmm. probably going to need to have like a really grounding partner because, dude, I'm flighty. Yeah. Dude, if I see something I want to go do, I go do it. Yeah. I don't have anything holding me back. So. Yeah. Which leads me back or takes me back rather. What happened? You go out to California. You're married. How old are you at this point? 18. You're 18, mm-hmm. married. How long were you married? For two and a half years. Two and a half years. What was that experience like? Why did it end? If you don't mind me asking, oh, no, I, no, I'm no. just curious. I think, see, the thing is, is like, I'm into astrology. Mm. And he was a Scorpio, right? So Scorpios are very dynamic beings and they're like sick, dude. Mm. They're really sick and they can manifest really quickly if they know how to do it. Yeah. Um, they're charismatic naturally, like they can get anybody on board with anything. Right. But having that power, Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's the whole Spider-Man thing, like with great power comes great responsibility. They'll, they can see how much they can manipulate people and really like go into that. Right. And do whatever they want while manipulating people to think one thing. And, and like with these beings, it's like once they realize they have so much power and then them like hone, it's almost like Jedi training, Mm. you know, because it's like they have so much power, like they need to know how to use it in the right ways and like super like positive ways instead of like manipulative and like getting what they want for their gain and like running over anyone they have to. And with my husband, it was more of like he was, first of all, I think his childhood was um, affecting the way he was living his young adulthood mm. and uh, the resentment that he had with such strict parents that was that were really like wanting him to stay in one place when he knew he was like ready to go fly his own path. And so I think what that did is like repress all of those experiences to learn how to take his charisma and then use it positively Mm. to where it just turned to him going full narcissist, like not getting therapy or anything to like help with. Like we were going through a friggin' stressful time. Like Mm -hmm. we're two 20 year olds spending money whenever we want. We don't know if we're going to have rent them next month. Like we're Mm. young dude. Not to mention like he's in the military and we're still doing a bunch of different drugs. Mm. Like anything that can't be traced on a drug test we're doing like regularly and spending all of our money on it so like i wasn't eating half the time you know Mm. what i mean i was having sick crazy experiences but at the end of the day it's like the responsibility wasn't there so it was like it was hard but at the same time so fun yeah and uh and so i think with drug use like that untamed with no no like sort of therapy or anybody to tell you no or like any kind of strain like strictness with how much we were using he got into like this narcissistic path where he thought he was the one you know like the one that was going to change the world or whatever and Mm. then that was like a whole thing where i couldn't vibe with it because i was like this is ridiculous you know yeah i mean it got to like that much drug usage drug usage specifically um whippets I don't know if you've ever done whippets. I know of whippets. Nitric, not nitric, nitrogen oxide cartridges that you like inhale into a balloon and then like you kind of go out of consciousness. Huh. You kind of like almost pass out and you have like visions. I didn't realize that's like what would happen. I've, again, I've heard of them. I'm not very experienced, but. (laughs) Hippie crack, dude. (laughs) Nice. Hippie crack. Yeah. And then, dude, he was spending like $200 a night. On, like, just boxes of cartridges. And I was like, I wow. have to get out of here. <laughs> like, yeah. this is getting to be ridiculous. Yeah. So, so I actually got a restraining order on him because I was like, I don't know what he's going to do. But mm. I know I need out of this, like, drug-induced situation that I was in. So then I got the apartment to myself, got a job, and then, like, was living like that. And then... I think I lost the apartment, went back home for six months, and I bankrolled because I learned how to bartend and waitress. Bankrolled $6,000, and my best friend was like, come to Monterey, Mm. like, to come live with her. Yeah. Did that. Went to Big Sur. Big Sur, honestly, Highway 1, 
on the California coast in Big Sur is the most beautiful landscape you will ever see. It was actually voted the most scenic route in, in the whole United States. And, Interesting. And we like started jade hunting every day. Like me and her both didn't have a job. Mm. So we were in California like searching for jade, laying it out on a blanket at like the like the vistas mm. and selling it to tourists. Like we were just being little hippies, dude. Yeah. Going to parties at the bar every night. Like that's when shit got wild for me, dude. Like my life from then just started rolling into wildness after wildness. What's one of the wilder experiences you had during that time? Oh, dude. So we were all like super fucking high on acid and we went on this trail and uh, we were walking along this coastline and we, we all had our flashlights out and dude, it was crazy. Like this big ass spider was on its web and like the shadow, like, like just like went on a bunch of trees and we saw like this big ass spider and was like super fucking freaked out. Oh wow. But then actual like tarantulas came up on the trail. How many? (laughs) How many? Yeah. Just like a few like there wasn't like an attack but But like multiple and honestly we were pretty high so there was probably one and we were like you're like oh my god there's a hundred yeah like we're getting chased right now so we all ran back to the party super scared it was so fun though and oh man i was like i have done a lot of drugs like this is like just what like it reminds me of is like dude but we got this really sick, like me and this guy that hitchhiked to Big Sur from Monterey. That was my first time hitchhiking, which was so, it was dope because the guy who picked us up from hitchhiking actually met me before that. Mm. And I was, um, I was giving him my glass blowing uh, pendants on the beach and he gave me a fucking hit of acid for a glass blowing pendant. Nice. That was pretty sick. So- but <laughs> And then all of a sudden he's like pitching, picking me up hitchhiking. It was like total full circle. And um, then we got this, we went to the bar, got super hammered. And then we went back to this super beautiful resort that we got out of discount because the guy I was with was like super in with like the locals. Mm. And one, one person worked for that resort and got like an employee discount on the room. So we paid $60 for like the most beautiful room in Big Sur. Oh, wow. And we just tripped and I was like, I was outside like smoking a cigarette, looking up at the sky and there was just like so many shootings, shooting stars. It was like so magical, dude. And I like orgasmed like 11 times in one night. So Because of the stars? Mm, it was like- <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think it was because of the acid. There but, you go. Oh my God, dude. That was like the best night of my life, hands down. Like everything, the scene. I like would, in the sex, everything. I was about to say, I was like 11 orgasms. Oh, I'm and sure. I don't, and I never orgasm more than one time. Mm. Right? Yeah. So it's like, now this is just getting crazy. Like, what the fuck is happening? That's interesting. So like when you say, I was about to say, now I'm just like speaking out of curiosity. Mm-hmm. So when you say you never orgasm more than once, mm-hmm. that's in one sitting or that's mm-hmm. like in one night. Exactly. Well, Maybe. Maybe I've orgasmed like more than one time, but not usually. Like in a night, or yeah, just a guy. In a night, it's like one and done, sort of thing gotcha. for me. I think. 
Like, is it like the recovery for you? Like, it's like, okay, like this isn't going to happen now for Darlin, like, I've tried. Hours. Okay. I I I I've, I've, <laughs> I've really tried to yeah, get yeah, it yeah. to happen again, but it's just like you get so close and just never hits. So then eleven, just like oh, and back to back, like you were just fucking just clicking. like that, really, dude. Wow, I it was imagine. in it was insane. I'm yeah. like, what is even happening right now? Yeah. But it was a half flag, dude. So I'm just saying, there was some inches there, dude. Let's let's not discount (laughs) uh, this guy. I was about to say, happy February to that guy. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. (laughs) uh, That, I don't know, that sounds intense. And also, like, were you in shambles at that point? I was literally shaking. Like, it was insane. Because Mm -hmm. after all of that experience, I go out to have a cigarette and there's just, like, so many shooting stars. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But Big Sur is, like, a community of, like, less than 2,000 people. Mm. You can't get property there because a lot of it's Spanish land grants from when we um, made California into the United States. Mm. There was a bunch of Spanish that were already living there. So they have land grants for, I mean all of that area like yeah. very small area you can even privately own and when you say land grants are they like then like farming on that land as well or like uh n- more cattle cattle okay mm-hmm. it's it's more cattle yeah. and those cattle get sent right to new york to the best mm. restaurants because like if you can imagine like imagine this green field right mm-hmm. and then there's these like devastatingly deep cliffs off to the ocean front and these cows are just chilling. Yeah. Like just eating all there, of their, their grass. Like, yeah. dude, I want to be a cow right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how beautiful it is. That, like, when we think of grass-fed burgers, that's what we want to imagine is, like, that cow eating that grass. Yes. In that spot. Yes. Gotcha. Absolutely. Understandable. That sounds fantastic. It sounds like a good time. Oh, my God. How long was like this period of time? So you said two and a half years with your husband. You mm-hmm. guys, you, you get out of that situation. Yep. How long were you doing this like back and forth, like partying, enjoying drugs, think, enjoying like life at this point? How think, long is this time period? I think that was a summer. That was a summer that you made it sound like that was like five years. Well, okay. That was a summer, but then I started working in the winter, but came back. So Mm. it was like, it was like three, four years of my life. Got it. But it was like, I went to go trim weed to like work. Got it. So it was like, it wasn't all in Big Sur. It was like up North, like in Mendocino and Humboldt. And actually I even went East to like Brownville or like around Yuma and so I've, dude, I've lived, I feel like I've seen every inch of California, honestly. Yeah. It's a but, lot of territory. I mean, and, and like after that whole Monterey experience, it was like, then I was traveling with my own car and then would go like into Northern California, see Shasta around there, like go into the deep corner, mm. deep Eastern corner. And then I would like, honestly, Lake Tahoe. One of the most beautiful places in the world. Oh, yeah. my God. The lake is so clear. Mm. I mean, you go underwater with goggles, you can see forever. It's just... And then, like, it's the beautiful pine trees with the snow falling. Like, mm. it is so... And, and every time you go back there, 
you like forget how beautiful it is and it looks even more beautiful to you mm. it's so amazing like if i could live anywhere it would be lake tahoe which is weird because it's five hours from the beach and i'm like a total beach babe like mm. i have never lived not like an hour from the beach anywhere i've lived so, so that leaves leads me to my next question what brought you to albuquerque and how long have you been here? So I saved up money, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was like, I actually grew weed like a couple years. So I was like stacking because I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything except yeah. for, you know, growing. So I had like a lot of money saved up. So I brought, I bought like my, my truck, right? And, and that's honestly, the weed market was going down when I was there. And I was seeing sales getting super hard to do. So I was like, all right, what are we doing next? Because this isn't going to last forever. And everybody's telling me it's not going to last forever. I believe them, right? Yeah. So I'm just like reading the signs. And I'm like, I think I want to become an electrician because it'll give me... I can go anywhere with that skill set and live. And like for me, as a traveler, Mm -hmm. super important for me. Not to mention like I get to be outside. I'm not in front of a computer. Like I feel like sitting is like the worst thing you can do all day. So I really, I like needed a a job that would like still keep me active because. Something different every day too. Also. And and the thing is, is like, I never, I never thought that there would be an element of creativity Mm -hmm. in electrical work, but it is because you're trying to find the shortest path to wherever you're trying to get a circuit Mm -hmm. run. So you get to use a little bit of creativity on how you're going to do it, what you're going to use. Problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like that because it's a challenge every time, Mm -hmm. you know, and you get to make it look beautiful and straight and square. And, and I, I, I need help as an artist doing that because it's like, I'm very, I'm not very square straight lines sort of person. So that's really like helping me become like more, like attention to detail, mm. I feel like. Yeah, because you can't not have that attention to detail as an electrician. No. Everything's got to be done perfectly. You will burn people's houses. Like when you get like the anxiety at night, like I did I do this right? Mm-hmm. Like this is life and death. Like yeah. this isn't just throw up some framing and hope it holds. Like. Yeah. Hey, if it doesn't work, call me back. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. It's and I I wonder that, like, because I'm trying to get my license and then like open my own company. I'm like, how do you sleep at night? Not thinking of like the million possibilities of you hooking up a circuit, right? Mm. That was just <clears throat> there, right? And you're just hooking it up to something and you need it hot and you're running electricity through that circuit. You don't know if it's nicked anywhere in the attic. You have no idea like what it looks like running through the wall, you know? You're just coming in as the second person and you're hoping that this has been done right. Yeah. And I'm just like, how do you sleep at night not like just worrying so much about like am I going to burn this person's house down? Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot of weight on one shoulder. Dude, right. Yeah. So that's what you do now? Is your mm-hmm. electrician? Yep. I thought it was the best. I thought it was the best. I think still it is the best choice for me mm. with the lifestyle that I do have. And let's be honest, it makes good money for how long it takes to be a professional and get a contractor's license for. Yeah. I mean, this is what I tell people. It's like, I've had a lot of fun in my life and I... And that's why I don't have a lot of accomplishments done. Like <laughs> I've just had a lot of fun these last 10 years. And everybody's like, yeah, time's moving so fast. I'm like, dude, 
I feel like I've lived like three lives already. Mm. It's like, it's been so slow for me from 18 to 29. I don't know. I'm tired thinking about it. It's just <laughs> been, it hasn't been moving fast for me. That's for sure. Yeah. Time does not move fast for me. I don't think, but I, it's kind of nice, but I also do like live life where I'm not in one place very like long. You yeah. know, so I feel like I don't get into habits and I feel like habits are the things that make time move faster for you because you're just doing them over and over. Routine. Like me, I was never in the same spot for more than two days for like a lot of that time. Yeah. And I was always exploring. So I was always seeing something new. Yeah. So how long have you been here now? One year anniversary on February 1st. Gotcha. So one year and 17 days, I think. So what brought you out to Albuquerque? Okay, so I actually moved to New Mexico because I, this is where I was going. Sorry to go on that. No, ramble. you're good. But uh, I actually was looking at property prices in a climate that I liked because mm. in California, not that much humidity and just like living in Florida for so long, I know I don't want to live somewhere it was, that, that's like really humid. Yeah. So I thought New Mexico, being its property prices were so low, I want to invest in property here and have my like home base here. Not yeah. like maybe not like where I'm going to spend most of my time, but I do just want to set something up for retirement for in the future. Yeah. Um, and see, this is the whole thing. Like the <clears throat> universe like totally brought me here because I was in Denver, right? Mm. So, like, I moved from California and I went on this snowboarding trip over here because I had gotten a year pass. And I, I hit, like, Lake Tahoe for a week. And then we went to Utah Snow Park. And then we went to, like, three or four different ski resorts in Colorado. And I was actually going because I was applying for jobs in New Mexico for electrical work. Mm -hmm. But I hadn't gotten a call back. So, like... I was looking for a month-to-month -month rental, like, on a room in, like, yeah. Denver or, like, closer to the ski resorts for, like, a month or so. And I was actually on my way to go sign a rental near a ski resort when my now boss called me and was like, I need you tomorrow, you oh, know? Wow. And so I was totally about to stay in Denver and just freaking... Let's snowboard for another yeah. <laughs> month, dude. I'm trying to have fun. If I don't have work right now, who cares? So, yeah, I came down here and I met with this woman who was offering up a room for rent mm. and got the room for rent. Like me and she was actually from uh, Santa Cruz. Okay. And like we totally vibed being California natives. And like then we were like and then I went to my interview the same day got the job so i was like well i guess this is my life now because i don't think the universe would have done all of that if i wasn't supposed to be here so it yeah. kind of just fell into place for me yeah things happen for a reason yeah for sure. so yeah that's why i'm here now so then what made you get into the comedy scene what was like that venture like you know what <clears throat> And I hate to sound redundant because I'm sure a lot of people have done this, but Kill Tony. Mm. My friends showed me Kill Tony and they were super obsessed with it, right? And I kept, I, I was like trimming weed at the time. So I was like, dude, I was listening to so many Kill Tony episodes. And I'm like, 
I don't know if this was the same for you, but you like see so many people bomb that it like instills confidence in yourself and yeah. inspires <laughs> you to be like, you know what? I can do this. Like yeah. I can do better than that at least. And uh, that's that's what I was. And I'm honestly, I was, just, I'm just like an outgoing person and I make everyone laugh. Mm. So I was like, I think I can do this. Yeah. Like, I think this is something in my life that I should do. It's funny you say that because the very first open mic I went to, I didn't, I didn't go up, but it was at Inside Out. And I just, I just went because I just wanted to see what it was like. Like, let's just see what this, like people have to offer. And I only stayed for like four or five people. I like wasn't feeling good. So I was like, I just want to see it. And like, I stayed for four people. And no one made anyone laugh. And I was like, like to that point of what you're talking about, I was like, well, well I can do that. Like I can also not make people laugh. <laughs> like I'm, I'm okay doing that. Like I can do that for sure. And I was like, okay, cool. And then the very next time I went up or, or the next time I went, I was going up and like the f- second person up was Carla V who's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. A couple people later was Steph Darnell, who was fucking, fucking hilarious. hilarious. I was like, and then a few people later was Zach Abeda, who's <laughs> fucking hilarious. And I'm like, who? Where were these fucking people yeah. the first time? I was like, had I seen these people right away, I probably wouldn't have signed up. Mm-hmm. Like this is fucking crazy. I was like, because these people are hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. how is this even like in our own backyard? Um, and sure enough, like the first time I went up, I, like I had like three jokes. I didn't have a whole lot prepared, obviously. I was up there for probably 90 seconds. I got some laughs and, like, took off. Like, and just... But that... The whole point of that story was, like... I remember going and being, like... Okay. Like, other people are not funny. Cool. Let's give it a shot. Honestly, I didn't go up for, like... Like, three or four months. Mm. Well, because I had just started my new job. And I was, like, really trying to, like, be the best employee I could be. Mm. And, like, really learning what I needed to learn to be helpful. Because... I was getting paid to learn. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I didn't have any experience in this guy hired me. Like, I have to do well. And yeah. I have to learn fast. And I have to be helpful. And so I was just killing myself with, like, really trying to pay attention and, like, doing my best work. So I was, like, really tired when I came to open mics. But I are, I knew that I wanted to do it. I was just, I was, like, feeling it out, right? Yeah. And it took me a little longer because... Until I started dating a comedian, I, like, wasn't working on material at all, mm. right? I knew I... I mean, I had tons of premises. Yeah. You know, punchlines. Yeah. Too. Yeah, so... It's a lot of loose ends. St- I mean, that's all I had. Yeah. I didn't have anything, like, all tight and tidy and, like, ready for stage time, but... But as you, like, that's the thing that I liked, though, because, like, as I went, I got to know more comedians, and they were like, dude, just go up. And then you see comics bomb at open mics, and you're like, yep. okay, like, I can't do any worse than that. So, yeah. and, um. But no one tells yeah. you, like, how crushing, like, that feeling is. Like, yeah, everyone does it. Everyone goes up and bombs. Mm-hmm. But no one will tell you, like, because you, you don't know until you feel it. Like, even if someone told you, hey. If you bomb, it's going to be fucking awful. Like, even if someone told you that, 
you wouldn't get it until you go. No. And like I tried to explain it to some of my friends of like, imagine telling a joke in front of every like one of your friends, no one laughs, and then conversation just continues. I was like, but when you're on stage, you're the only one talking. Yeah. So like the joke doesn't work and guess what? You're you're your next line of defense. You have to keep moving forward. Yeah. And it's fucking miserable. <laughs> it's fucking miserable to go through that. You know, I've only bombed for like five minutes. <laughs> like I couldn't imagine <laughs> bombing for like forty. And okay, so so saying that, I dude my first my first like I've always gotten one laugh, but but it's just like going through like the other four minutes when mm-hmm. you don't get a laugh. Yep. <clears throat> it's just like you're staring into blank eyes and you're like I don't have any other material that I can say right now because this is literally all of the material that I have. This is it. Invented. Yeah. Right. Like I can't switch gears. Like you hear a lot of comedians being like, okay, I read the crowd. So I switched gears. It's like, this is all I have. That's a a veteran move. And like, (laughs) yeah, it's like you sit there and you want to, you want to switch gears. You want to find all that. It's like, I have first gear and I have yet to find second gear. Like I, I don't have anything else. Like this is, this is what I have. Like oh this, like it, it would be like showing up like with like your hands like cupped and like you, you try to put as much water in there as possible. You're like, they're like, there's no water in there. You're like, yeah, I didn't prepare anything else. Like I, that's, that's, that was it. That was all I had. And it's like other people are like, oh, I brought like a camelback or I brought a water bottle. I brought this. It's like that would have been smart. Like this is what I have at the moment, and, and it's I like, am squeezing really tight yeah, on this. I was about to say, and like if you if you look closely, or if you put your hand to it, you might feel some moisture, but that's about it. Probably because I'm sweating, but it, there's no water there. It's like it is fucking mi- like that. Yeah. You're right though. Like when people are like, "Oh, you got to read the crowd." It's like, first off, with what time? <laughs> with what time? It's five minutes. First off, what time? And then second off, like I don't think you understand what I have yeah. to begin with. Like that was it. That was fucking it. That's all I had. And I exhausted it right there. <laughs> you're right. I didn't think of it in that perspective. When people are like, switch gears, you're like, okay. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> nice. So, like, put it in reverse and go back to first? Like, that was it. That's all I had. But, I mean, but, but, right? So, Kelly told me about this one comedian. Because I was doing, like, a lot of lesbian jokes. Because I always, like, get, get like, Un, like a misunderstood as a lesbian and so like Same. i was making a bunch of <laughs> and, I, and i was meeting i was like making a bunch of jokes about it uh, on that fact and she was like you should look up this comedian caitlin puflo right mm. i watched her she's like doing the like lesbian bit softball body fucking million times better than i could have ever imagined it could be done mm. And I was actually doing like Beauty and the Beast sort of analogy and she does it a million times better. So I like I watched her. Right. And she is one of the best comedians I've ever seen. Like she's not famous right now, but Mm -hmm. I guarantee you she will be. She is so funny. And so this uh, the two out of two out of town comedians we're sitting behind me at the open mic at Dry Heat. Mm. And one of the guys is actually really good friends with Caitlin Puflo. Really? Right? Mm-hmm. And he was telling his friend that came with him, right? They're two headliners. I don't know where they're from, but I'm guessing 
LA or New York, but yeah. So he's telling his friend, he's like, oh yeah. And, and you know, we, Caitlin knows that we know she's like one of the best comedians to ever live. And like, we love her to death, but she even went up on stage and was like dying for 30 mm. minutes. You can be the best comedian. Yeah. And still fucking struggle. Yep. And it's like, and it's, and they can say like, oh, it's the energy of the room. Oh, it's like the audience. But it's like all of those things come and they, oh, dude, they just kill your set. Like whatever you're talking about. It's like nobody relates. The wildest shit. And like, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I fangirl all the time thinking about it. Do you want another another one? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Darlin, I'm an alcoholic, so <laughs> Fair. let's just get this up Same straight, all right. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I, I feel like I fangirl every time we talk about him, but Josh Fournier is the best in New Mexico, in my opinion, and it's not Did close. you go to the one-liner madness? I didn't. Guess who won? I, I saw it was Josh, and that mm-hmm. did not shock me. I was like... Not at all. He's so fucking And let me good. just fucking tell you, yeah. the one-liner that he won on was off the dome. No way. He made it up. He riffed. Oh, it's awesome. Off of Jake O'Tara being so short. He's like, if you don't name a half pint after Jake O'Tara, <laughs> like, I don't know what you guys are doing. It It was completely off the dome. I and love he it. fucking won. Yeah. Like, that's how you know you're a professional right That dude there. is so good. And it's one of those things that, like, I have been in a room where five comedians are just sweating nothing's working it's a crowd of 10 so it's just like okay like we'll see what happens and he comes in the middle of it and just fucking annihilates those 10 people they're just like holy shit dying laughing and it's like this motherfucker just does not miss and it's like i would love to have that type of skill set that like doesn't matter what the room is and like i've heard him you know or i've heard people say like he's like oh yeah i had to work for that one it's like it doesn't feel like that, though, when he goes up. It doesn't feel like he's working for it. He just crushes. You know, what What I've, like, what I've thought about Josh Fournier's jokes is that what did we all learn about, like, history and, like, you know, like, the Native... Like, I learned a lot about Native Americans in my history classes. Yeah. Across the board, like, it was really talked about. So, it's like, you can pick up on those things that everyone learned in high school, right? Mm-hmm. And then make jokes off of them. Yeah. And I'm like... Because it's like, I'm trying, a lot of my jokes are like putting down men, which I'm trying to get away from, right? Because it's mm. like, I've just started, but it's like, that's where I'm at, at right now. I'm like, I'm dating, you know, I'm going through a lot of like pieces of shit. Like, I'm kind of like, you know, kind of down, mm. you know, making fun of men, really. And it's like, that's 60% of your audience. So fucking get it together, right? Or be so good that even those guys can't like, like Isabel. It. Oh my god! By the Isabel way, shout can, out Isabel because she was supposed to be here, which oh, would have yeah. been fun to like yeah. have this conversation. But she does stuff where like I sit there and like almost like uh, how do I how do I explain this properly? Like I'm I'm almost I'm almost like the Karen in the room when she starts like saying jokes where like I have like my robe and she says something I get like all offended and like cross it and like uh-huh. like I don't do that like uh-huh. I like I sit there and get like defensive almost mm. and i i can't help but to laugh but i'm also like i don't do that and i'm like <laughs> no i do like i do yeah, that for I sure can't, I like can't god even. damn it like 
Because she's fucking hilarious. She does. She, like, oh she tears up, like, the idea of, like, masculinity and stuff. And then she just fuck Like, I can't help but to feel it as well. I'm just like, ah, she's she's pretty spot on on that one. Like, she's pretty fucking on point there. Oh, my God. I know. And then I, I, like, I watch her every time and I'm like, I hope I'm that good in three years to take myself out of my whole, like, whatever resentment I have built up. Put it into reality and, like, what men are interested in and then, like, detail it back making fun of them but in something they're interested in yeah. so they know what you're talking about. And they also can't deny it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of which, we'll go ahead and shout that out now. Um, we will both be on a show uh, this coming Sunday. I don't even know what time it's at now I think of it as I'm, like, about to, like, say it out loud. I'm going to say it? seven. I was about to say seven at Cantina Loca. Am I at making... Cantina Loca. Cantina Loca. It's on Montgomery in Louisiana. Correct. And which is awesome because I will be the only dude on the show. So shout out to the ladies. Girls night out. Hey. It's going to be fucking awesome. I also have a lesbian joke about myself like <laughs> that I'm really excited to like try out. Um, but yeah, we're going to be on that show uh, seven o'clock on Sunday. Uh, you're hosting, correct? Oh, yeah, baby. Nice. Have you hosted before? I have hosted open mics. That's it. Okay. I'm trying to get as much experience as I can hosting. Sure. But um, I don't know. I'm a natural at it. You know, that's another great exercise to do. Mm. Not to be too controlling because, well, just because I've, like, started comedy, I'm, like, super, like, scripted. Mm. Where it's, like, when you're, when you're like, better at comedy and you just have a Rolodex you're kind of working off of, mm -hmm. you can kind of make it just a conversation. Yeah. But I feel like when you're hosting, it's kind of like you're playing off the room, playing off of people you see, like, crowd work. And, yeah. like, freeforming for me isn't an option when I get on the stage. So, like, mm. hosting for me, like, gives me, like, less control and like, over, like, what I'm talking and about. And, like, forces you to do it. It does. Yeah. It totally does. Mm. And... I don't know. I just feel like I'm a natural at it. And honestly, like hosting might be my forte as I'm like kind of feeling out where I feel comfortable. I really mm. do like hosting. And I feel like I, I have this like way of making everyone feel comfortable in the room. That's good. So I feel like that's what you need hosting. Like, dude, you want to know a good ass host? Fucking Tyler Lovely. Yes. Dude, his crowd work is gnarly, but yeah. you know where that came from. He, he like, he worked, well, sorry to say, but like he worked with Kevin for a long time and like they would do shows like mm. all the fucking time and he would get so much stage time and I'm like, dude, you just have to get stage time to learn how to crowd work, I think. Yeah. Well, it helps if you're like a local though too, because you'll see Buck D do a lot of that. Like he'll he'll shout out like different areas of the room being yeah. from one part of the city or not or another. Yeah. And it's like just me like being here for just like such a short amount of time. I don't do a lot of local jokes. Sure. And I mean, I've seen Tyler where he's he's got a crowd that isn't local. Yeah. And he struggles, but but dude, it's like it's weird. It's like still they know what he's talking about. Yeah. And, like, he can relate to them still. I I enjoy Tyler Lovely. I don't see him as much. Um, I, just, I haven't been to open mics as much as I should be. He doesn't um, go to open mics. So even then, he so, hosts. So he, he hosts a lot, but okay. he does get – he gets spots sometimes. So even, so even more so, like, I wouldn't mm -hmm. see him that often, right? Now, 
Buck, on the other hand, I see just consistently with like the roast battles. Oh yeah, that dude is a monster. Like, I can't believe how good he is at like riffing and like picking apart a room. He is. I I, I thought about it the other day. I'm like, I couldn't imagine someone else hosting the roast battles. Truly, I couldn't. Or the Gong Show. I haven't been to a Gong Show, but I believe that. I believe you when like when I hear that. Like that, that doesn't. It doesn't make sense to have anyone else do it. I know. I know what you mean because like he, the thing with a host is you're supposed to bring after every performance, you're supposed to bring the crowd back to a neutral energy, if not positive, right? Yeah. For your next uh, performer, because if you leave that deficit of energy, the performer has to like then fill the deficit. Yeah. yeah, And then go up in the positivity of energy. So it's like. You know what Chuck Parker just told me, and I was like, I never thought of this, is like, stand-up's like hypnotism, Mm. right? Like, if you have everyone's attention, it works a lot better, because if you have half of them in a conversation, it's going to break the energy that you've built. Yeah. And I was like, man, I never thought about it like that, but you're so right. I haven't either. Like, the one time that, like, I felt like fantastic doing stand-up was at um a comedy contest at tractor and that's like it's funny you say that because like i told people it's like it's it's as if my hands were open and the whole crowd was like in my hands like i felt like i like had that much like control of the room so to your point of like hypnotism like no one else like is gonna be doing anything but paying attention to me like the hypnotism part of that is true like if you have if you have them like you you can do no wrong almost which is a pretty incredible feeling that's that's that performer's high baby i mean performer's high it's so weird too because like just like the chase of it like the chase it's like i there's no way i could have like a feeling that amounts to that is oh it's such a, a wild feeling and you know what like i really love that feeling but also like just preparing material and trying to be creative with it. I think that's just like the artist in me. It's like, I really like curating the material more than like being the that whole like controlling the crowd sort of thing. It's like mm. more of like, I made you laugh because of this creativity that flowed out of me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think I get more high off of that than... Than that feeling of people laughing and like getting gratification on what I wrote. But I, again, it's like, I may be kind of narcissist. I don't know where to, <laughs> where to put that psychological analyzation at, but I don't know. I, I hear about the performers high and it's like, I love being up on stage, but again, I'm like, I feel like I'm trying to get away from that contr- like controlling sort of like mm. mindset to where it's like I'm just glad everybody's having a good time and I'm flowing with everyone. Yeah. But no, I know what you mean, yeah. I mean, it is nice to do a good job. But also like the working on it and bombing to me is kind of like I feel like it's the grit of it. You know what I mean? Like that yep. grit getting through that bomb, mm-hmm. you know? I also like that too, but I also, I think I like self pain too. Like self fucking. You almost have to, to like want to keep going after that. You know, I, I mean, dude, 
just beginning in the comedy scene when you don't have any good jokes and you're really just trying to curate that like the first few jokes that you have the premise for dude it's so much work and you almost have to be I feel like you have to have some sort of mental like like psychological narcissism to be like I did bad but guess what I'm gonna do it tomorrow almost like bordering on like arrogance yeah like you almost have to be arrogant enough because like you know what like everyone says with like comedy is like you know what i try because like i've always been funny mm-hmm. like it's all, like a very common like i've always been funny mm-hmm. so like i figured like why not try or like oh like i had friends or family they're like you should try stand up it's like well i've always been funny so like i obviously i would be good at this and then you go up and it's so wild to like go up like you said like you don't have any good jokes it's like sometimes you don't have any jokes like that point earlier yeah. of like i don't have punchlines i don't have this i don't have a Nothing. setup it's like you can't just go up and then the crowd just like eats out of your hand it's nope. like that's not how it works and it's like if you have something good it's like okay cool but how do you present it it's like you have the premise you have the um setup you have the punchline all that's good well guess what now you don't present it that well or now you're running through it where it takes some pause or it takes some like just like a beautiful like craftsmanship to the joke and some people don't sit and enjoy that and it's like there's so much to stand up and like i am so at like a beginner point like it's like hilarious that i'm talking about it but it's true like there's so much to stand up that people just assume they're like oh i grew up funny it's like that's not always everything it's not enough yeah at all (laughs) but you know what you make a good point and i think we should actually talk about this because we are beginners you know what i mean like once you get so far into it maybe you forget these feelings that we're going Mm, through so maybe maybe we do need to like talk about it because i that's like my biggest problem right i'll like hear silence and like run through jokes like Mm. so quickly and i i you know, I listen to so many podcasts and so many famous comedians and so many comics just like talking about what they see is wrong with the beginning sort of stages of comedy. And it's usually not pausing. Yeah. Like the best advice is like you should go two times slower than you think you need to be going. Because even then you're going too fast. Truly. Like pausing, I, dude. Yeah, pausing I, is gnarly. I truly like... I it's so funny though because like the first time you remember pausing I don't know how you felt how I felt was like oh my god I paused for like 10 seconds and then you watch the video back or you listen to yourself and you're like I didn't pause at all like I I thought I paused forever you're like dude you didn't even breathe like you like you yes. think you think you're going so slow oh my god. and then you watch it back and you're like you you didn't breathe at all that was like a half a breath that you paused yeah. and you thought you were up there forever yep. it's so crazy mm-hmm. oh my god it's so crazy yep it is crazy um but i do appreciate you being on this podcast yeah. looking forward to the show it's gonna Absolutely. be great you're gonna be hosting Hell i'm yeah. gonna be on the show as well sunday cantina loca i believe it starts at seven it is yeah okay. i just looked it up it Perfect. is seven so it does start at seven um again thank you so much this was great i appreciate it um guys remember the rules of escaping tyranny remember to mix in a water don't drink and drive go down to your partner and the earth is flat cheers
a book and I don't care if you read it I'm gonna make a movie I don't care if you watch it I'm gonna wave anyway I could care less if you look and if you don't shake my hand I'll put it back in my pocket I'm gonna write a book and I don't care if you read it I'm gonna make a movie I don't care if you watch it I'm gonna wave anyway I could care less if you look and if you don't shake my hand I'll put it back in my pocket I'm gonna write a book, and I don't care if you read it. I'm gonna make a movie, I don't care if you watch it. I'm gonna wave anyway, I could care less if you look. And if you don't shake my hand, I'll put it back in my pocket.